when I realized that I didn't have my paper with me, I thought, well, you know, I really think I can do this without a paper. But um, I was afraid I might have an early senior moment <laughs> and miss some point of the message. So I went back home to, to get the paper. But anyway, it's good to be back. I'm sorry I missed uh, most of worship, but it sounds like that the Lord has prepared us to come full circle back to that particular thing um, a little bit later today. So let's let's have a word of prayer, another word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for Amanda, for her preparation, for all you're going to be doing upstairs. We do pray, Father, for the kingdom of God to be there. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, embrace the children to come near you, that you'd speak in a language they understand, that you would open their ears and their hearts to hear you and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but if you listen to the news very much, you probably are coming to believe that the whole world is in chaos. Um, Lots of things that are out of control, uncertain times, uncertain financial markets, uh, uncertain racial relationships, um, international relations between companies, Religious tensions, you name it, um, we, it's been reported. Unrest and discontent seems like all over the world, not just here in America. Um, so, you know, it's easy to think, well, wow, it's just never been like this before in the world. Um, and I know for me, a lot of times it's like, well, I really don't know what's next. You know, am I... Am I just being carried along by the circumstances of the world, or do I have some control over this? You know, what's what's going to happen? And you know, I was thinking about um, a scripture in Joshua when Joshua was getting ready to carry um, the people. He was charged was to take the Israelites into the Promised Lands after forty years of wandering in the desert. And so these people were getting ready to go into uncharted waters as well. And there's a verse in Joshua, Joshua three. 3 and 4 that says this when you see the ark of the covenant of the lord your god with the levitical priest carrying it then you shall set out from your place and go after it however there shall be between you and it a distance of about 200 cubits by measure do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go for you have not passed this way before. You know, and I think that's kind of true for where we are. I don't know you, but I haven't lived the next ever how many years of my life there is. So there's there's new ground in front of me. There's new new decisions to be made, new unknowns to be made. And, you know, Joshua gives a great piece of advice here. Um, hey, make sure you don't get in front of Christ. Or get in front of the Lord, but let him let him lead. Let him be out in front, uh, because everything that the ark represented, you know, it, it represented the presence of God. You know, it had manna in it. It re- represented the sustainer of life. Um, it had the law in it, which was the, the way that uh, one should live. Um, and so, you know, I think it's just a good thing for us to remember. Um, 
Let the Lord lead in times like this, in times of uncertainty. Um, as I was kind of preparing this message, I, I just happened to be online and I was looking up some stuff. And um, so I just typed in, what's the fastest growing industry in the world? Uh, trivia question. Now, what would you think that would be? The fastest growing in industry. 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 <laughs> in America, maybe, yeah. The IT industry. I mean, all of life is controlled by computers, it seems like. Every business, every part of our life has something to do with <coughs> computers. And so um, I thought, well, that makes pretty much sense. But what was really interesting to me was what the second, I'm going to, if I start coughing, I'll need to put this in my mouth, um, was the second fastest growing industry. Does anybody have any idea what that is? IT. Hmm? What was the question again? IT is? IT uh, is the fastest growing. What is the second fastest Hacking. growing? Hacking. Hacking IT. That's probably that's a good guess. Cybersecurity. Actually, it's coaching. Business and life coaching is the fastest growing, second fastest growing industry in the in in the in the world. It's the fastest growing in Australia. It's the fast second fastest in the world. Which was like, really? I don't really believe that. But you know, I got to thinking about it. It's like. With all the times of uncertainty that we have, it seems like that people are really having, being challenged. Businesses are being challenged because of the uncertain future, and people are challenged, either in business or in their life, about how do I get from point A to point B. And so this particular thing of coaching has become a really go-to thing for businesses and for personal people that want to move on with their life. And so, so what does a coach do, you know? Um, do, do they have all the answers? No, but they have all the questions. And so I got to thinking about this. It's like a coach basically asks these powerful, timely questions that help people figure out what really is standing in the way of the next place they are trying to get to, whatever that might be. And it's interesting, I just kind of confirmed because Roger last week spoke out of Jonah chapter 4, and his message pretty much revolved around a question God asked Jonah. Do you have good reason to be angry? Kind of a pointed, personal question. Now, Jonah... He didn't really wait. He answered out of his emotion. He an answered out of his prejudice. But God was really trying to make a point and, and move Jonah from one place to another. But he, he just wasn't able to do it. And so this whole thing just kind of sent me on a search, particularly after Greg's message the week before, because Greg also asked a question. So here we have two messages in a row that have basically revolved around a question. And so Greg was talking about the question that Jesus asked Peter after asking, who do the people say that I am? Some people say you're this and some people say you're that. And he asked Peter, who do you say I am? It's a great question, isn't it? 
Everybody needs to answer that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, Peter answered. He gave a good answer. You know, he said he was the he said he was the Christ. And then and then before he could take any credit for it, God said, Jesus said, well, you didn't figure that out on your own. God revealed it to you. And so there are some questions like that that God just needs to reveal the answer to us. But Greg went on to talk about all the all the ways that Jesus is symbolizing and names that he's called, you know, in the book of John. I was at uh, chapter six, he's called the bread of life. Chapter seven, he's called living water. Chapter nine, I think he's called the light of the world. Help me out if I miss some of these here. Chapter, uh, let's see, is it 11 that he's the resurrection? And then the 14th chapter, he's called the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm thinking to myself, here these two guys have asked these questions. And what is it with all the questions? Because, you know, typically when we, when we read the Bible, it's like, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus have to say? And I thought, okay. And I, I read it that way. You know, I'm going to know what Jesus said. That, that way I know what to do. But I got to thinking, what questions did Jesus ask? Well, I got looking at this. Now, there are four accounts of the gospel, but there's over 300 questions that Jesus asked in the four gospel. He's, he, he is asked less than 200 and depending on what research you want to look at, he only directly answers either three or eight of those questions. All the other questions, all the other less than 200 questions he asks, he either asks back a question, he gives the condition for which he will answer the question, or he answers the question behind the question that they ask. And it's just a, it's a part of the way that they teach can y'all hear me or shall we? <laughs> really having to focus on thinking up here. <laughs> um, they are. And so, um, you know, he, he, it's, a, it's a way that, it's a method of teaching back then. Part of the way that rabbis taught was you asked questions and, and, and then you answered that question sometimes with a question. Are you told a parable? These were the two main ways that, that rabbis taught in that particular time. And so why was that? Why, why did they teach that way? Because what they, were, what they were really trying to do was not just pass on information. Um, these people taught in a way that not just gave you information about whatever their subject was, but to help you understand and transform who you are. And that's God's purpose with the Bible for us, is that as we read it, we are transformed. Not that we just have more information about dates and people and places and what happened when. And so I want to look at a scripture this morning with another question in it. We're going to have the 52 weeks of questions that Jesus said. I don't know what we're going to do, but... We're going to have another one this week. And so if you want to turn in your Bible to the first chapter of John, we're going to look at uh, another question that Jesus asked. Um, 
first chapter of John. We're going to read 20 verses, 19 through 39, and really only look at one. So um, if you're there, I will start reading. I'm going to read out of the a version that we all use a lot. It's called the easy-to-read version. Sorry, Greg, I hope that doesn't offend you. It's not so academic. It's, <laughs> but it's an easy-to-read version. Okay, verse 19. The Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, a, a little bit of background. John the Baptist um, came about 400 years after a period of just total silence from God. The last prophet to, to have um, words from the Lord was Malachi. So Malachi, from, from Malachi to John, about 400 years, no prophet was speaking forth the word of God for, for the people of Israel. However, Malachi writes this in um, Malachi 3.1. God speaking to Malachi says, Behold, I, God, am going to send my messenger and he will clear or prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so for 400 years, people are kind of waiting. Some are looking for who is the messenger? When's the messenger coming? So now here, John comes on the scene, and he seems like he might could be that person after 400 years. And so he's a guy that's out in the desert preaching. Crowds are coming out to him, and naturally the leaders want to know who this guy is. And so we're going to pick up in verse 19. Uh, it says, The Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent some priests and Levites to John. To ask him, who are you? Now that's a good question right there. Well, that's not what we're going to look at, but that's a great question, you know, and it's a good question for all of us to learn to answer, right? Who are you? It's a good question for you to know who you are. Um, so John told them the truth without any hesitation. He said openly and plainly, I'm not the Messiah. If that's who you think I am, I'm not the Messiah. They ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Well, Elijah was also one that they were looking for. Even today, when the Jewish people have a Seder, their Passover meal, they set a separate plate at their table for Elijah. They're still, they're still waiting for Elijah. Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He answered, no, I'm not Elijah. They asked, are you the prophet? Well, who are they talking about there? Well, Moses says back in, when Moses says that God was going to raise up another one like him, another prophet. So is he that prophet? He answered, no, I am not the prophet. Then they said, well, who are you? Tell us about yourself. Give us an answer to tell the people who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
John told them the words of the prophet Isaiah. Um, This is out of Isaiah 43. He says, I am the voice of someone shouting in the desert. Make a straight road ready for the Lord. So John was not concerned in them knowing who he was. But what he was concerned about, that they knew the message that he had to bring. And so he didn't focus on himself. He focused on on really his mission. So these Jews were sent from the Pharisees. They said to John, you say you're not Messiah. You say you're not Elijah the prophet. Then why do you baptize people? John answered, I baptize people with water. But there is someone here with you that you don't know. He is the one who is coming later. I'm not good enough to be the slave. (coughs) Excuse me. I am not good enough to be the slave who unties the strings of his sandals. These things all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan River. This is where John was baptizing people. Well, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I was talking about when I said, There's a man coming after me who is greater than I am, because he was living even before I was born. John was born first. He was born before Jesus was born. And yet here he says, that he was living even before I was born. He goes on and says this, I did not know who he was, but I came baptizing people with water so that Israel could know that he is the Messiah. Now, it's an interesting thing about the book of John. It was like one of the last books written uh, of all the books in the in the. Um, New Testament. It was the last gospel. And so it's not like John baptized this guy named Jesus and then ran, ran out and wrote a book about it. He spent the rest of his life thinking about this, watching this man, watching his ministry, and then he writes down this witness. He bears witness to who this guy really is, having thoroughly thought about it and seen him prove out who he was. In verse 32, it says this, Then John said this for everyone to hear. I also did not know who the Messiah was. He didn't know either. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, and the one who sent him was God himself. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, You will see the Spirit come down and rest on a man. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John then says, I have seen this happen. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven like a dove and rest on this man. So this is what I tell people. He is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again and had two of his followers with him. He saw Jesus walking by and said, Look! The Lamb of God. The two followers heard him say this, so they followed Jesus. 
Now, how many people would you tell somebody something if you knew they were going to leave your ministry? <laughs> this is a humble man, you know. And when questioned about this later on in, the, in one of the other Gospels, he says, this, this, is my, this is my ministry. When he comes, I'm supposed to decrease and he's supposed to increase. He knew the he knew the sphere and sphere and limits of his ministry, and he was happy with that. You know, he wasn't jealous. He wasn't envious. He said, "Hey, disciples, my disciples, this is the Lamb of God," and they go and leave him. His own disciples; these two left him. Well, Jesus turned and saw the two men following him, and he asked. What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which, where are you staying? Rabbi means teacher. He answered, come with me and you will see. So the two men went with him and they saw the place where he was staying. And they stayed there with him that day. It was about four o'clock. So Jesus asked this question. Not who are you looking for, but what do you want? What are you looking for? Not who are you looking for, but what are you looking for? And they answer him with a question. Maybe to, maybe to bide some time because they weren't sure they knew the answer of what they were looking for. But they ask him this question, where are you staying? Instead of answering his question, which in some ways really meant we really want to be with you. And find out a little bit more about you. And so. um, Basically in a sense they were saying. Can we come stay with you? You know this kind of gets back to another point. That Greg made in his message a couple of weeks ago. About abiding. Um, Abiding means staying. And so here they went. They went with him. And they stayed the rest of the day. And as a result of that. They stayed with him until he was crucified. And then they spent the rest of their life walking out what they had been taught, how they had been transformed. And so it's interesting because Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? I don't think Jesus really needed that information. He probably already knew. So the reason for asking the question was so they would examine their own motive and intent and figure out what they were really looking for. You know, and so um, a part of, of these, this particular question, this is one of those questions that, you know, we can just lift out of the text and it's, it's a timeless question. It's a question that... Um, you need to answer before you understand who Jesus is. And then whether you've walked with him a year or 30 years, it's still a relevant question. It's always a relevant question. What are you looking for? What are you looking for this morning? Why don't you come here today? And so this question can be almost asked every morning, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? 
So Jesus asked them to, because the question was designed to make them think about their response. And, and I think that's the thing that we need to try to understand about the master coach, God himself. God, when he asks a question through his Holy Spirit, um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not from a place of cynicism. Certainly not from a place of envy. It's not from a place that I need some information. It's, it's, it's redemptive. And, and the purpose of it is to redeem. The purpose of it is for us to discover where we are or who we are. And, and the purpose is to transform us and move us from the place we are to the next place he wants us to be. That's, that's the motive behind any question. If it's a hard question, it's a piercing question. God always asks questions that are good questions. Um, so that's the question this morning. You know, that's it. This is a simple message. But that's one of the things that makes coaching successful is because Basically, the coach makes a person stop. We're all busy, you know. It, it, you know, so you have to stop and address the question. That's half the battle for most of us today. Um, you know, is taking the time to wait. You know, there there was a guy that asked a, a very important question in the Bible. Uh, he said, "What is truth?" Pilate asked this question, "What is truth?" Then he turned and walked away. He turned and walked away and truth was standing in front of him. And so that's what happens a lot of times when we when we read the Bible is um, we come across something, but we don't. We don't stay with it long enough to kind of figure out what God's trying to do in that place, because, you know, we all we read the Bible for all kinds of reasons. You know, we need comfort. We need guidance. We need encouragement we whatever we need it for but the the interesting thing about the bible is the word of god is living and active and powerful right and so when you and i are reading the bible it's reading us you we study the bible and the holy spirit uses that to read us and 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 to begin to show us who we are or where we are and maybe why we are where we are. And this morning, I just really am uh, want to encourage you when you come across the questions of the Bible, um, don't just look at how that person answered it, but be sensitive to whether or not the Holy Spirit is really asking you that question right then. You know, uh, his questions are timely and they're purposeful. And, and like I said before, part of that purpose is, is that he would be redemptive in that. Um, maybe today's question for you is not, what are you looking for? There are lots of great questions in there, but believe me, after hearing Greg's message and then hearing Roger's, I, thought, I think I'm going to look up some of these questions just to see what they are. And you know what? 
Jesus asked some really good questions. Um, so let me just throw out a few in case that one didn't do anything for you this morning. <laughs> Why did you doubt? Have you ever been through something? Get on the other side. There's the Holy Spirit. Why'd you doubt? How many times have I done that for you? Why did you doubt? <clears throat> do you believe I can do this? He asked blind men this. Is there something in your life that just seems absolutely impossible? And you've asked God about this? And has he just gently said, do you believe I can do this? A part of us says, well, of course. But he's asking in here, do you believe I can do this? It's one of my favorites. What do you want me to do for you? That was asked twice. He asked two different, on two different occasions, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? One of them was James and John. Hey, we want some position. We want to sit on your left and your right. Not going to be able to do that for you guys. Just not going to be able to do it. What do you want me to do for you? I want to regain my sight, blind Bartimaeus. And he did it. One time he didn't, one time he did. You know, God's always looking at motive behind what we ask him for. What's the motive? So sometimes when we don't get an answer for a question we've asked, maybe he's really waiting till we understand why we're really asking that question. What's the motive behind it? Do we want power? Do we want recognition? Do we want something that's not going to move us transformationally from where we are to the next place in walking before him. Do you realize what I have done for you? He washed all the disciples' feet. Do you realize what I've done for you? There's way more than just washing the feet. And you know, for us today, it's a great question. Do you realize what I've done for you on the cross? Do you realize what God has done for you in the fact that he raised me from the dead? He accepted what I did on the cross. Do you know, do you realize what I've done for you that I've gotten you out of this mess that you've been in? Whatever it is. Great questions. Here's a great one. This one probably hits home for a lot of us. What concern is it of yours? <clears throat> Peter, somebody's going to tie a belt around you. You're not going to figure out. You're not going to be able to choose how you go from here. Well, 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 well Jesus, what about John? What concern is it of yours? You follow me. How many, how many times do we find ourselves looking at how God's dealing with somebody else? And if we just slow down enough, he might just say, you know, what concern is it of yours? You follow me. So I just, this morning, really, I just really wanted to alert you to the questions of Jesus 
and how the purpose of those questions are to move us from the place we are to a, a new, fuller, deeper place in him, a new place of faith. Um, you know, there's one thing that Jesus did. You know, his message was a simple message. It was basically change your mind for the kingdom of God has come upon you. You know, and so the great counsel in any of these questions is seek first what? What are you looking for? Well, the first thing to look for is what? The kingdom of God. Full circle for where the Lord started us today. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other questions will fall into line. All our questions to him will fall into line. And so I, I, I don't know, uh, Bill, I think maybe we could just have a time for people to reflect. Uh, if you want to get with someone to pray, if you want to verbalize what it is that God's asking you this morning, um, I think it's, it's a time for us to, you know, coming here, this, when we come to church, it's not, okay, I've checked off my meeting this week. We've come to meet with God. And God, all that he's already done for us through the cross and bringing us this place certainly would like to meet with us. And so I just really encourage us this morning, hear what he has to say to you because we just need to respond to him. And it, sometimes it's a matter of just waiting and being transparent and honest. Because his question may be personal, it may be probing, it may be hard, but it's for your and my benefit. Can I give you one more question? Yes, sir. It's this day of questions. This is um, when Jesus is before Annas, the high priest, and um, the high priest. Mm-hmm. And if I'm telling you the truth, he says, why do you strike me? That means, why do you hate me? Mm-hmm. And why don't you believe me? So if I'm telling you something that's not true, show me where it's not true. And if I'm telling you the truth, if you don't obey me, mm-hmm. you hate me. There's a very much similar question in John 8, um, Greg. It says, if I am telling you the truth, why do you not believe me? So, good questions. And, you know, I think today is a day to um, take a moment and figure out what question is the Holy Spirit asking you today? Who do you say I am? What are you, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And so, Bill, why don't we have a time for people to reflect and um, 
If you want to pray with someone, if you want to just spend time with the Lord, um, let, let God lead. Thank you.